The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Rapid Sales Accelerator. If you're ready to skyrocket your sales by 30% or more in just 90 days, then you need to claim your free training right now. You'll learn four words that will compel your prospects to trust you like they were children within the first three to five minutes of any conversation across any platform and any medium. You'll learn how to give your prospects objection amnesia to crush objections like I need to talk to my spouse or I need more time to think it over or it's too expensive. And finally, you'll get a free recorded audio training that will install unbelievable attitudes for success and wipe out any limiting beliefs. So if you'd like to claim your free training now, go to www.paulrossbook.com. Do it before your competition does it now. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome back to the Influencer's Edge. And today we have a fun guest. I did warn her in the green room conversation that it's going to be a different kind of interview. So I want you, everyone out there, to put your virtual hands together and welcome Brooke Greening. Hello, Brooke. Hello. <laughs> All right, are you excited on the edge of your seat? <laughs> I am. I am very excited. Uh, I Thank already have, have, sure, I already have a lot now i want to show you i read the biographies off my phone and your biography is so extensive my eyes will cross <laughs> if i do this so let me let me dig in here and just say a little bit and then i'm going to stop because there's interesting things in the first two sentences of your biography so brooke greening is a sales expert with over two decades of experience in corporate sales she sold everything from senior care to used cars. Pause right there. <laughs> that is a huge, I don't know if you'd call it disconnect. Maybe it's a versatility. How, how did you find that variety in what you did? And what was it like, particularly senior care? I get it. But used cars, everyone has such a negative connotation and imagery of a used car salesman being sleazy and pushy. So tell us a little bit, first of all, what motivated you to get into selling used cars and what did it teach you about what you're currently doing today? Yeah, so um, a lot of times when you go into sales, you start at kind of the bottom rung, <laughs> trying to figure out what to do. And um, so I, what I did when I was in sales, uh, for the car industry is that I was in the center where I was calling people to set up appointments. That is what I was doing. Um, and I know that the car salesman can get a lot of bad rep. And it is, it is true because the whole system I feel is kind of broke. Like, okay, this is what I can pay. Now I got to go talk to my manager and then we're going to see if, can they pay more? And so the whole system is broke, but there are great car dealers, um, business businessmen and women out there who truly want to help people to find a good vehicle. 
and uh, support their family and what they need. Um, so I did learn that there are good, good guys and gals in the industry. Uh, but I also just learned, I was also in it when the cash for clunkers was going on. So I'm really aging myself, but that was a insane <laughs> time. I still see cash for clunkers. <laughs> um, and so uh, I learned a lot to not have someone hang up on you in 10 seconds when you're on the phone and you start having those conversations. All right. So tell us about that, because how <laughs> in the world, and this applies to so many things, particularly I, when you're doing what some people call cold outreach or cold. Mm -hmm. well, I like to call think of it as opportunity extension. Sure. <laughs> cold call because words are powerful. So how yeah. in the world did you learn to get people to not hang up on you for the first 10 seconds? Yeah, you, and sometimes it would get even shorter, like three to five. And so you have to be confident. You have to be intentional and tell them what you're truly calling for and have it be in a way that's going to resonate with them for what they are looking to do. And so um, you would pretty much come up with a script to figure out how to be able to, to do that in an effective way. And then you start to build that relationship. So then if they're not hanging up on you on the three to five seconds, then you can start to get to know them a little bit better and where they're coming from, what their frustrations are and how you can be able to help with that. And that's across the board, senior care, cars, insurance, all of it, finding right. out the problems. I, you told us the what. So tell us specifically with cars, how did you do that? What was your script? Yeah. Well, now you're asking me after <laughs> 15 years, but very much in regards to, I understand you're beginning to look at these different cars and wanted to set up a time for you to be able to talk with one of our car dealers to see if we might be a good fit for you. That's pretty straightforward and, and yeah, not fancy. I get it. No, no, you don't want to be fancy. Can I tell you a story though? A funny story in regards to that? that, that yes. Yeah. <laughs> So what you don't want to do is start talking in regards to like filling things in and trying to make things up. And so I remember I was there and I was early on and I heard all of these people talking like the, the car salesmen were talking because we would always have a meeting in the morning before we would all break off into where we were going. And they were like, oh, this person's just coming to kick the tires. They're coming to kick the tires. And so this is a great story to not use terminology that you don't know. <laughs> when you're having your sales conversations. So then I called and I just asked if they would like to come and kick the tires. Like that was my script. Whoa. I created it myself. So in my view, and, this is what we call a pattern interrupt. You're right. And so then they, re then they were laughing at me and they're like, are you seriously asking me to come and kick the tires? I did not know that that was like an idiom of just kind of like wasting time, those types of things. And so it was a good lesson for me that, okay, I don't want to, just because I hear this language doesn't mean I want to be incorporating it until I actually know what they're talking about. So this is a very contra contrarian way of looking at it. Everyone else didn't want to deal with the tire kickers. You're bringing it right out in the open. You're interrupting <laughs> their pattern, using humor to create rapport. When I was learning as a small child how to think, my mother said to me, look, most people, if they're doing something, do the opposite and the unexpected, and you'll get a much better result. So where did you come up with this way of thinking to 
think, hmm, everyone's <laughs> doing this. I'm going to do that because part of what I do with my guests is to dive into how they think and as in addition to what they have to teach, but how they think and what their process was for coming up with it. So how did you get this? How did you develop this ability to go, hmm, wait a minute, that doesn't necessarily work. I'm going to dive into a totally different direction. Well, I would say specifically in regards, um, cause that kind of just kind of, I stumbled on that because I was just listening and trying to figure out what was going on. But specifically when I'm talking about sales conversations and, and in my coaching, it is a different way of it in regards to really trying to understand your customer's problems and their frustrations and you talking less and them talking more. And that is a dichotomy. That is a complete switch of what most salespeople want to be able to do. And the way I came to that is just, I have a background in counseling and that's what it is. Like you don't help solve people's problems by just telling them all the things that they have to do or how great you are in regards to selling, how great your products are, or the features and benefits. You are able to build value with your customer when you know what's bothering them and what's valuable to them. And the only way you can do that is by asking them. So do you think you'd be able, I, this is obvious, yes, but do you think you would be have been able to develop what it is you teach and do without that background in counseling? I, that is an excellent question, but I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I would have come to it the way that I did because when I was in counseling, because I was actually getting my master's in counseling when I first started sales. And that's when I started realizing we're not that far off. Like what I'm learning in school is not that far off of what I'm trying to accomplish with this customer. I would and think so just kept uh, developing. I would think in some sense, I want to back this back to you because you see, this is a different kind of interview. I would think in therapy, because I've been through, uh, I drove all my therapists crazy. They all, <laughs> they all did a 50, got 5150. I don't know if you know what that is. I'm joking. I, I have done change work with people for a long time, totally different area. I think one of the things you do, yes, you listen to your client and you help them. and But one of the things you overall do is to guide them into the belief that they can change. Mm -hmm. If you don't start with that, you have to sell that decision that they can change without pitching it at them directly. Correct. Correct. And I would say when we're talking specifically with sales, when we're guiding them, the only way they're going to move is when they feel that it's valuable to them. And it's because even if something's free, if they don't feel like it's valuable to them, they're not going to move. So you're trying to help them to understand life can be different. I can help you with the problems that you have, but also having it that it's valuable to them. That's okay. what's going to create the difference. So you already see this is different, but let me dive back in here. <laughs> All right. So. You have become a trusted source for the latest and best ways to gain confidence when it comes to making sales in your business. Whoa, excuse me. My, my, my vision is so bad. Brooks teaching centers around having great conversations, solving problems, and not being salesy. Everyone says, don't be salesy. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what that means. I think... Selling is doing a favor. You're expanding someone's consciousness to include choices they never knew they had. So what do you mean by being salesy? This doesn't really paint a picture for me what you mean. Sure. When people are using salesy and it's more in a negative context, it's that it might be that manipulative 
pushy, what you're saying in regards, like, Hey, I can, I can be a help. I can give you resources that that is a good part of it. But when we're talking about being salesy, it's like, I got to try to convince someone to do something they don't want to do. It's manipulative. It's um, just trying to trick people. That's what we mean by not being salesy. You can have great sales conversations and have your customer thank you, buy from you, refer you. All right, let's dive into that. So when you talk about having a great sales conversation, what are the elements of that? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've created actually a whole sales framework um, and it's called the confidence building sales framework and it's regards to serving your customer. And so there's seven parts of that framework. The majority of that is really being able to focus on your customer and the frustrations that they're facing, the problems that they're facing, and being able to know how you can position your products and services as valuable to them because of the things that they've just shared with you. That is the core of having a great sales conversation. And then there are pieces on the ends of it that lead to it. But I believe if you get the problem wrong, everything's going to fall apart. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dan Kennedy, a, a, ma- a legend in the marketing and sales world. He is like he is like the Beethoven, or, <laughs> or, or the Mozart, and the Einstein of sales and marketing. Have you heard of Dan? I have. Yeah. Dan taught me a lesson. I went to one of his seminars like thirty years ago. He pointed his finger and he said, "People don't buy from people who present the best solution at first. They buy from people who at first understand." what their pain and their problem is. The people who make the right diagnosis are the Mm -hmm. ones who get hired to be a doctor. Just like you don't go into the doctor and the doctor looks at you and says, you need this, this, and this. The doctor has to ask questions and elicit what what the problems are. So let's dive into that. I like specifics. So let's dive into that. How do you elicit from your prospective client, your prospect, whatever it is, what their pain points are And then how do you, from there, weave in the story or the connection that you are the person that they must take action on, not go away and think about it for, and talk themselves out of it. So how do you create the conversation without appearing it to be interrogating them, (laughs) understand, (laughs) to get their pain points? Because there's nothing worse than the perception on the, of the person on the other end that you're doing an interrogation. Well, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, there's a couple of different things. So when I was talking about my conversation framework, there's a, you do a couple of things in the front where you're setting the expectation. And what I would tell them is, thank you for meeting with me today. The goal is to be able to understand some of the frustrations and concerns that you have with whatever we're talking about to see if I can be a resource for you. And if not, give you some other helpful resources. Is it all right if I ask you a few questions? So then I've set the expectation. I'm also establishing rapport. And so this is something I work with my coaching clients as well, that especially because I work with business to business a lot in regards to consultants, agencies. And so you can do homework and I would encourage you to do homework before you ever have that sales conversation and start looking in regards to what they're posting, what their websites are, not to diagnose their problems, but to truly understand where they're coming from. And you can start to establish that rapport by asking them questions specifically about their business and how it's affecting them. And then that leads in to the questions where we would get into a little bit more personal, but we've already 
kind of eased into that. So they're not feeling like they're being interrogated. And in my 15 years, I've never had someone say, I feel like you're interrogating me because the questions I'm asking are not benefiting me. I'm not like drilling them with questions so that I can know like that it benefits me. I'm asking questions to better understand them. And so can you share with what's frustrating you about this? How is this affecting you personally? It's all about them and what, what they're facing. And then that way, when you get that right, and I would say, whenever someone shares their problem, that's never really the biggest problem. And you would know that in regards to <laughs> the therapy, all of this, like, yeah, all of that. Yeah. And so I never, ever want to encourage, like, just ignore it. You don't, you validate the first problem that they have, but then you're going to start to ask more questions to, to get that underlining concern. Cause we're trying to understand what's frustrating them. And they can have good problems too. Like they're expanding. It's growing too fast. They don't know exactly how to handle that. It's not always weary and dreary, but they have frustrations and problems that they're facing. And then they have motivations. Those are the things you're trying to understand. So then you can talk about how your products and services meet specifically what they've just shared with you instead of just guessing. Instead of being like, well, this feature and benefit will work over here, you know, what they've just shared with you. And so to do that, you have questions and then you validate what they've said and you have more questions, which is, again, is letting them talk more than you. All right. So you raise and you said something very, I say a lot interesting, but my ears have learned to perk up when I hear something. You said the problem they tell you at first is not, is almost, I think you said usually is not the real problem. I found Correct. this- I've done change work with people too, and they almost never tell me up front what the real problem is. Sometimes because they're afraid of being embarrassed, oftentimes they're just confused. So unpack that little bit. When you say the the first time they tell you what the problem is, they're not telling you what the real problem is. Is that because they don't trust you or they don't want to look stupid or they're just confused and really don't get it? Well, there could, it could be a lot of those. And I just look at it in regards to any relationship at all. So with my husband and I, I trust him completely. I think he's incredible. But when I'm frustrated and he asks me, Brooke, what's wrong? And I just share like a little bit of it. I haven't really gone into all the details. And the reason I- fine, I'm fine. Right, or I share like a little bit. And then he knows that's not really what's going on. And so he's gonna ask more questions. And then I start to share because a lot of times I don't want my, even though he's never done this before, I don't want my fears and concerns to not be validated. And a lot of times that's what's happening with customers. Like they know what's keeping them up at night. They know what's bothering them, but they're not ready to share that yet, right. especially to someone they don't know. Right. And so that's how you continue to build that relationship and validate what they've said the problem that they have, and then ask another question to be able to understand it even more. And that's usually when they will start to completely open up and share what's bothering them. This, to me, paints a picture of your model, which is you don't do the talking and tell the person what their problem is. On the other hand, don't expect them to know what their problem is or feel comfortable sharing it with you right away. <laughs> So it's really a sort of middle ground. You don't do all the talking and you don't expect that 
the first line of questioning is going to develop what the real problem is. And then you have a third challenge, which is you can get the problem right, get them to tell you and ask the right questions. Now, you had talked a lot in your biography. I don't want to read the whole thing about you want to ditch the pitch or is that Mm -hmm. the term you use? Ditching. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. So you have to connect the dots. Sure. You can show them what the problem is and they like you, they got rapport. How do you connect the dots with a sense of urgency? Mm-hmm. If, if there's not some urgency, they're going to tell you, let me, let me think about it. I need more time to think about it. Yeah. How do you create urgency first? So how do you connect that with a sense of urgency without being what you call manipulative? Right. Yeah. So um, it's funny that you said create the sense of urgency because that is in our framework. So after you recognize the problem and you verbalize the value and the solution, then I would say you identify the objections. And then the next piece is create urgency. So to answer your first question, how do you make those dots connect? I am just repeating what they've told me. I am making sure what they're actually saying is the problem that they have. So I can say, from what I'm understanding, you're saying this is the frustration that you have and it's making you feel like this and it's causing these problems. Am I understanding that correctly? And have them say yes or no. Because again, this is not a manipulated, manipulative thing. I just want to know, can I truly help you? And the only way I can know if I can do that is if I understand your problems. And so I am seeking, I am sitting at a place to be able to understand, not to convince you to do something. When we have that and we know that's exactly what they want, then we can start to build that bridge. And I use this with my clients just envision a bridge. So you've got your bridge, you've got your client over here and they're, they don't want to move. You're over here and you want them to come, come by for me, come work with me. And you, they have to cross the bridge. And the way you get to the bridge is you figure out what their problems are, their underlining problems. And now how does my product meet the problems you've just shared with me? Because that's what creates value to them. We sometimes think this is valuable for you and this is valuable for you, but it's not because it's not resonating with them and what they're facing. And so that's how you're able to do that. So just as an example, they could, um, I was just working with a company and I do sales training. Like we, I can go out and do a day sales training. I can do weekly, whatever the case is. And they said, I don't really want, they, they looked at me and said, I want you to come and do a day training. Okay. So we start understanding the problems. What's going on? This is what it is. And then they come back and they say, no, we don't actually want that because we're afraid that your one day of training is not going to actually give us the results that we want, that our team is not going to be able to retain that. Well, now that I know that that's their problem, I actually have something where I can work with them on a weekly basis. And so In the beginning, they're like, no, we don't want to do that. That's too expensive. But then they ended up signing a contract that was six months longer, much more extensive. And now we're getting ready to end that contract early and start another one that's even more extensive. And so you can't be able to bring value if you don't truly know where their frustration is with their team. I I get that. I'm going to push back a little bit because I like to push back on my- Go for it. No, no. I like to do it. Still is not responsive with respect in the way I'm hearing it to my question how do you create the urgency so they because they can get it yes I see the solution I this is how I will do it so many people have said it 
And and one of the questions you say early on is, what's this going to cost you? And how do you see this affecting you further down the road if you don't change it? Yeah, I would say um, in regards to creating the urgency, if they've agreed, yes, yes, this is the problem that I have and this is how I want it and I need it to be solved and I believe you can do it. Now you're having the question in regards to, okay, so I want you to be able to have this problem solved as we work through this, the faster we start to work together, the quicker we can start to get this moving forward oh, for you. Okay. I get it. And so then you need to be honest. So if you have limited availability, that's the time to start talking about limited availability because I have had customers upset at me. <laughs> like I wanted to work with you, but I couldn't because someone else took that. Like, why didn't you tell me? that someone else was going to be doing this. Like when I was in senior care, why didn't you tell me that that suite was already being looked at? When you actually have limited availability, share that. If there's a limited in regards with different things that are going on for sales or incentives, share that. Always be honest, always have it be for your customer. So you're just giving them hope that it can get solved faster. That is how you're creating that urgency. So you don't do in the beginning because so my my coach who's made me tons of money for every dollar I pay him he makes me six or seven does a lot of seed based marketing he early mm -hmm. on will seed base the idea that he's very busy and that his time is very valuable and he only takes on a few clients but it's coming from a place of honesty but you don't need to do that so you handle it in a different way mm -hmm. where you create that urgency later on in the conversation, once they see that your solution mm -hmm. matches one-on-one -on -one with mm -hmm. what the problems are. And then yeah. you, and then you're honest about your availability mm -hmm. is limited. Yep. And then you're able, like I use urgency to create direction and hope. I do not use urgency to manipulate. Oh, stop. That's cool. <laughs> so oftentimes my interview ease my guests will say something gold and they don't even know that it's gold <laughs> i pause i hit the pause button and say you've got to share more so you use it to create hope mm -hmm. and what was the other one direction direction one of my again i keep i've spent so much money on coaching and training it's all worth it a couple of my coaches have said the same thing you're always selling hope and transformation but you're saying hope and direction. I get what you mean by hope. What do you mean by direction? They've come to you. They've come to me. They have a problem and they don't know exactly what to do. They don't know where to go. That urgency helps them to know like, this is the next step that I need to take. And this is the next step that I need to take. And now I have direction to know how I can get my problem solved. It's not just hope that it can get done. I'm giving them specific steps in that urgency of what they need to do. So they can get off that phone yeah. call. They can get done with that meeting and know I am moving forward. That's specifically really important in corporate because oftentimes you have to bump it up the chain of command. And if you can't report exactly what the directions are going to be, they're going to bump it back down and say, we need more time to think it over. Mm -hmm. Which really means, sorry, we couldn't get approval, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to go through the rigmarole of talking to you more. One more quick thing. Oh, there's more. I, I, I want to talk about how people can connect with you and continue in the conversation. But first, how do you deal with that objection 
we need more time to think it over without seeming to be pressuring. Because I know I almost, in my whole career, I have almost never had someone say, I need more time to think it over. And they think it over and they talk themselves into doing it. And so <laughs> I also am a dating and seduction coach in my other career is Ross Jeffries. I don't know if you know that or not. You probably would agree <laughs> to come on the show. But I have always said, that's like saying, give me your number. <laughs> and mm. It's like, let me think about it. And they always talk themselves out of it. So if someone Correct. said to you, you did all this process correctly, and they said, I need more time to think it over, what would be your response to that? Yeah. Smoke or stall. Yeah. No, I, um, so you had asked in regards to things that your viewers might be able to have. And so it's actually um, three ways to turn your customer's objections into sales. And it's a micro video. And so that's offered for you and your audience. And in that, I teach the way to handle an objection, any objection. You clarify, you validate, you clarify, and you advance. So validate. I need to, I need to think this over. I would validate. I don't want you to make a decision if you're not sure either. Like I am validating what they're saying, but mm -hmm. then I'm clarifying. When you say you're trying to think this over, which area specifically are you getting a little bit stuck on? I want to know where, where is it at? I'm clarifying and then advance is then moving them to where it needs to go. Are we going back to where the original sale is? Is Are we realizing, you know what? They have other problems and now this package would be better for them. Or are we saying they're not? So then that next advance is now we're gonna set up a specific time and date next week to meet and go over the questions that you have. Sounds like you're, you're doing great therapy with these people. <laughs> really, it's a good formula for being a good therapist. You, you have to- validate if you mm -hmm. don't validate your client then they're going to feel unheard and walk out of the and correct walk out yeah. of the room you have to validate and then you have to clarify well i'm i don't quite understand when you say that what specifically do you mean when you say you can't talk to your husband right? yeah and then you yeah. do the final piece which is what is your third piece then you advance so then we go like we either go back to where we were saying we were doing it now we realize actually they want more. So now we're going to be talking about this and these next steps or, okay, this is like, they're not ready to sign the contract right now. Now we're going to have the next step established and ready to go. I think just from listening to you, there's no way you could have come up with this had you not been a counselor. Just no <laughs> way. <laughs> uh, how did you make that? We're, I'm almost done. But again, I want to get into your head. Sure. How did you make the transition? At what point did you say, you know what? Counseling's great. I love it, but I need to make, was it, I need to make more money or I'm tired <laughs> of my clients telling me all their problems. Cause I have that like, Oh my God, I don't want to listen to the same thing. I've heard it 10,000 times. What was your motivation to jump from counseling? Was it a life situation where you needed more money or what was it? No, I actually, um, we started doing counseling um, and my husband was actually the one that kind of helped me understand this. I internalize people's problems like to the core and that was not incredibly helpful for me. And so then we started realizing this would probably be avenue for you to go on. And I loved doing it. I got to do everything that I learned in counseling, but it wasn't 
life or death, if that makes sense. Now, ironically, then I went into senior care and I was working with families who were dealing with huge emotional issues and guilt and all of that. But I got to help them in that season of life and then keep going. And so the distinction was I started doing it and realized, and through my husband's advice as well, I don't know if this is incredibly healthy for you. And so then, um, and I was already doing kind of sales on the side and then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And I just, I love it. And I absolutely love coaching now, helping people to do that. So I still, we have our business. We're still having sales conversations, but we're really helping others to be successful too. It really sounds to me without your very insightful and supportive spouse, do you think he'd be here today at your level of success? Had you not had that? Oh, without him? Yes. No, no. He's He is the lid to our crazy. And he's like what I call the Jedi. Like okay. I say all this stuff. and But then he helps me to like compartmentalize it in a way because his um, he has a master's in adult learning theories. And so oh. he helped in regards to like, let's get this in a way that is easy for people to understand. So no, no, absolutely not. Without him, mm-mm. I would give, <laughs> and he would uh, say the, the same. Cause then what he does, I help sell. <laughs> so. I would have loved to sit in on your first date. That <laughs> would have been an incredible conversation that went on for hours and hours and hours and hours. And hours. And our first date was like eight hours long. That's so sweet. See, this yeah. is where I get personal with, with my, <laughs> my I'm going to say clientele. Uh, in a sense you are. All right, Brooke, tell us again how people can stay in the conversation with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I do have, um, like I had said, there is a free resource for anyone that would be interested. And that is a mini uh, sales video of me teaching people how to be able to turn their customers' objections into sales. It's about 10 minutes long, different worksheets, questions to work through. So that's for anyone. Um, But then you can go to buildingmomentum.mp uh, building momentum.influencersedge. Influencers edge. Okay. So you're <laughs> so yeah. You're tracking that it comes from from us. That's fine. Yeah. I like it. What's the link to the short video? Um, I can send it to you because it would be right on the it would be right on okay, there. We'll put it, yeah. we'll put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Stay on the line with me before we go. I told you this would be a fun interview and a different kind. And folks. We we have come to the end of another great episode. We'll see you the next time on The Influencer's Edge. Bye now. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Rapid Sales Accelerator. If you're ready to skyrocket your sales by 30% or more in just 90 days, then you need to claim your free training right now. You'll learn four words that will compel your prospects to trust you like they were children within the first three to five minutes of any conversation across any platform and any medium. You'll learn how to give your prospects objection amnesia to crush objections like I need to talk to my spouse or I need more time to think it over or it's too expensive. And finally, you'll get a free recorded audio training that will install unbelievable attitudes for success and wipe out any limiting beliefs. So. If you'd like to claim your free training now, go to www.paulrossbook.com. Do it before your competition does it now. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack of sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on the Influencer's Edge Show. Thank you.